0: Someone praise
1: the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we are so grateful for the gift of another week. We thank you that we are here to fellowship in your presence. May your Holy Spirit breathe your life into us. Lord, Mm. we want to walk by the Spirit daily so that the kingdom of our God will prosper and flourish in us and through us so that we will live to become and do just as you desire we thank you for this blessed opportunity and Lord may your spirit guide everyone that is meant to join us so that together our fellowship will be with the Father through the Son by the quickening of the Spirit for in Jesus' precious name we pray Amen Amen. Amen. I'd like to welcome everyone who has come to join us this hour to fellowship.
0: And um, just a second. And our
1: study is about the aftermath of the raising of Lazarus. So join me as we read from John eleven forty five. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees convened the Sanhedrin and said, what are we going to do since this man does many signs? If we let him continue in this way, everyone will believe in him. Then the Romans will come and remove both our place and our nation. One of them, Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all. You're not considering that it's to your advantage that one man should die for the people rather than the whole nation perish. Verse 51. He did not say this on his own, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to unite the scattered children of God. So from that day on, they plotted to kill him. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but departed from there to the countryside, near the wilderness, to a town called Ephraim. And he stayed there with the disciples. The Jewish Passover was near, and many went up to Jerusalem from the country to purify themselves before the Passover. They were looking for Jesus and asking one another as they stood in the temple complex, what do you think? He will not come to the festival, will he? The chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should report
0: it, so they could arrest him.
1: Okay, we come to the conclusion of this very impactful miracle. The truth of the miracle was incontestable. Lazarus was a man known in the community. He was sick. He died and was buried, and had been in the grave four days. When he came out of the grave alive, walking and talking, the reality of what had happened to him hit home with tremendous power. It provoked very powerful reaction amongst the people. So we go to the first group, the crowd who believed in Jesus. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did, they believed in him. This is what we call a wow phenomenon. And one could go on simply shouting, wow, 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 endlessly. <laughs> I didn't for good measure. I never saw anything like this. King Solomon said, Reflectively in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, since that is the end of all mankind, and the living should take it to heart. Grief is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, the heart may be glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. Now, the people who believed that they had come to commiserate with Mary and Martha on the death of their brother. And in the process, they gained eternal life. Hallelujah. They had an experience, yes, hallelujah, amen. They had an experience of an incontestable reality that shattered all their prejudices and all their unbelief. These were more likely Judeans who had been fed with the logic of the leaders in Jerusalem with respect to Christ. But now they saw something far bigger than the blind man's testimony. Once I was blind, but now I see. This time it was once Lazarus was dead, but now he's alive. (laughs) <laughs> and I was there to see it with my two eyes, like we say. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of reality that defeats any and every argument. I recall a ride with a cab driver of Greek origin whom I witnessed to about our Lord Jesus Christ on a ride to the airport in London. He admitted to being religious, but has never had an encounter with the Lord. I asked if a voice spoke to him about a customer who would pick up at the airport tomorrow who would give him, say, a tip of 100 pounds. If it happens to him just as it was told, would he believe? His response was, certainly. As someone has said, we must be careful to sow seeds of charity. That's why those people who got to believe They didn't go there, really, uh, to do anything spectacular. No, they just went to commiserate with Mary and Martha and look at how they were blessed with the gift of eternal life. Amen. Amen. Now we move from them to the tragedy of those who did not believe. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Now it has been suggested that the only way to explain their unbelief is that they were there on a mission to spy on the activities of our Lord, because it is inconceivable that anybody without such a mission would see what happened, what transpired. We see Lazarus in his grave clothes staggering out of the tomb and still have any doubts at all. It is possible that the report was made not as spies, but as those who wanted to confront the leaders of this with this incontestable reality, that's another uh, version, particularly for those who are quite charitable. The fact remains, though, that they were not persuaded enough to publicly identify with our Lord as the expected Christ sent from heaven to all mankind to lead us all back to God. This is part of the reality of church today. A lot of people come. They walk in, they walk out, they hear the gospel, they hear the message. But somehow, somehow, they don't get it. But we must admit the unintended good that came out of their report. Which was to spread the news of the miracle more farther than the Bethany where it took place. Unless they did believe after his resurrection, those people lost the opportunity to be among the earliest to enter the kingdom of God through Christ. So we must be careful never to lose such an opportunity in our lives, either of believing in him or going deeper with him in our own spiritual walk. You can never be better then God can make you. Amen. That was the word that changed me from an interested observer into a very active participant, even if I may say so. It was my own word in season. Now we leave that to go to the jealousy evoked by the report. So the chief priests and the Pharisees convened, Verse 47, They convened the Sanhedrin and said, what are we going to do since this man is doing many miracles? If we let him continue in this way, everyone will believe in him. Then the Romans will come and remove both our place and our nation. Now, we must pause to take a closer look at their response. Or else we may find ourselves doing the same thing in unbelief. What are we going to do? Someone well-meaning enough could say, what are you going to do? But to rejoice with Mary and Martha and thank God for giving the power over death to his son on the earth. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you should be doing. That's what this gathering, the whole Sanhedrin should be doing. Thanking God. The right response would have been to send emissaries to Bethany to confirm the death and resurrection of Lazarus and then invite him to share his testimony so that many more would believe in Jesus. But what they did was to convene a meeting of the elders and leaders and plot a way to stop our Lord Jesus Christ and kill him. If necessary. There is a blindness to truth that comes with jealousy. And this was, and this you and I must avoid in our own lives. You know, someone brings a truth, but because the truth didn't come through you, you know, you don't see the truth, you only see the vessel used. And so, and so you block the entrance of the truth into your heart. No, that's what we must not do. We must admit that God does great and wonderful things in the world. And he may do some of them through us or through someone else or through people in our group. Or he may choose to do them through people outside of our group, people we may never have heard of before. God's world does not revolve around any one person, but our Lord Jesus Christ. That is why the Bible calls him the only begotten son of God. The rest of us are brethren and god can use one today and then use another the next day but how genuine was this their concern expressed in this way then the romans will come and remove both our place and our nation was that really a genuine concern were they bothered about their nation or were they were they uh, 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 act by the fact that jesus was taking the crowd away from them history records that the thing they feared in this expression came upon them as job said in job 325 what i always feared has happened to me what i dreaded has come true The Romans did destroy the temple in 70 AD and put an end to to Jewish civil authority that lasted for nearly two millennia, two whole thousand years. That's what they feared. But when they crucified Jesus, they ensured that it did happen. They said, if we leave him, the Romans will do it. If we kill him, the Romans won't have an opportunity to do it. And then they killed him. And then the Romans did it. This is one of the reasons why we must stay in faith and never let our fears and doubts bring evil into our lives. We must note that their rejection opened the doors and set in motion the admission of the Gentile world into the covenant of faith and promise that was rooted in Abraham. Our Lord Jesus alluded to this in John chapter 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. And they know me. Verse 15. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Verse 16. I have other sheep too, that they are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The apostle Peter opened the kingdom of God to the Gentile world in the home of Cornelius, the Roman centurion, when he said in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, I now realize how true it is that God, he does not show favoritism but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. The Apostle Paul also alluded to this inclusion in Romans chapter 11, verse 25. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. The tragedy of their rejection was revealed in our Lord Jesus Christ's lamentation, as well as denunciation over the fate they had chosen. Matthew 23:33. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and wise men and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. I tell you the truth. All this will come upon this generation. Verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, verse 39, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Our Lord Jesus also prophetically confirmed that the temple they sought to preserve by their rejection would be completely destroyed. In Matthew 24, verses 1 and 2, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be
0: thrown down. If you go to Jerusalem today, if you go to the Temple Mount, you will see
1: all those stones there. Not one stone upon another. That was the word. The denunciation, the prophetic condemnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not one stone upon another by their rejection. Tragically, the temple remains destroyed even as we speak. Not one stone upon another. Literally. Came true, as any visitor touring the ruins of the temple will testify. Okay, now let's leave that and go to this prophecy of Caiaphas. Verse forty-nine. One of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, he said to them, "You know nothing at all. You are not considering that it is it is to your advantage that one man should die for the people, rather." And the whole nation perish. Verse 51. He did not say this on his own. But being high priest. That year. He prophesied. That Jesus was going to die for the nation. And not for the nation only. But also to unite. The scattered children of God. Verse 53. So from that day on. They plotted to kill him. Now. When it comes to the prophecy of Caiaphas, we must begin with the position he occupies. It was customary in Jewish history and tradition to have one high priest for life. One high priest for life. Quite a few laws hinge on the death of the high priest. For example, in the case of accidental death or manslaughter, The manslayer is to remain in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. As we see in Numbers 35, 25, the assembly is to protect the one who kills someone from the hand of the avenger of blood. And the assembly will return him to the city of refuge he fled to. And he must live there until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. If the one who kills someone ever goes outside the border of the city of refuge he fled to, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the border of his city of refuge and kills him, the avenger will not be guilty of bloodshed. But the one who killed a person was supposed to live in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. Only after the death of the high priest may, may the one who has killed a person return to the land he possesses. The high priest lived under stringent laws and is consecrated for life to lead a life that is in near total isolation in the sanctuary. Leviticus 21.10, the priest who is highest among his brothers who has had the anointing oil poured on his head and has been ordained to wear the garments must not dishevel his hair or tear his garments. He must not go near any dead person or make himself unclean. For his father or mother, he must not leave the sanctuary, or he will desecrate the sanctuary of his God. For the consecration of the anointing oil of his God, is on him, I am Yahweh. But here, we are told in verse 49, that Caiaphas was high priest for the year. year. Now, here is uh, one of the fathers, St. Chrysostom, on this. But what does it mean when it says being high priest that year? This matter, as well as the rest, had been corrupted. For from the time that offices became matters of purchase, they were no longer priests for the whole period of their lives, but for a year. Notwithstanding, even in this state of things, we see that the Spirit was still present. But when they lifted up their hands against Christ, and the Spirit left them and went to the apostles. This is from ancient Christian commentary on Scripture. Here's another opinion on this from St. Augustine.
0: How is it that um, he
1: is called the high priest of that year? When God appointed one hereditary high priest, this was owing to the ambition and contention of parties among the Jews themselves which had ended in the appointment of several high priests who took the office in turn, year by year. And sometimes there even seems to have been more than one in office at a time. That's again from the ancient Christian commentary. But despite this background, the gospel writer John the Beloved, he told us that his words were prophetic. As they echoed our Lord Jesus Christ's prophetic teaching on servant leadership, Matthew 20 25. But Jesus called the disciples and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their superiors act like tyrants over them. That's not the way it should be among you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That's the way it is with the Son of One. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many people. So it was a Lord Jesus Christ himself who taught this, that as the servant leader, as the son of God, who is also the son of man, he has come to give his life as a ransom for many people. So Caiaphas prophesied That it was expedient for one to die for all than for the nation to perish because of one person. It was John that explained his statement and called it and turned it from a malicious ploy against our Lord Jesus to a prophetic word about his destiny. That is very, very interesting. Here is John's explanation. In verses 51 and 52, he did not say this on his own. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to unite the scattered children of God. Now, we have two lessons to learn from here. One has to deal with the purposes of God. First, we are told that the Almighty God does all things after the counsel of his own will in Ephesians 1.11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will, that we who first trusted in Christ Jesus should be to the praise of his glory. It is for this reason that our Lord Jesus Christ said in John 6 38, for I have come from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. It is therefore important for you and I to be open to hearing God speak, even it is from the mouth of an enemy. John was open enough to recognize that the words of Caiaphas was prophetic. However, let us note that this is not always the case. For example, when the Rabshakeh or chief of staff of the Assyrian army claimed to have been sent by God to destroy Jerusalem, that word was to challenge the faith of the remnants under King Hezekiah. He was not speaking for God as he claimed to be. In Isaiah 36, verses 8 to 10, I'll tell you what, strike a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses. If you can find many men to ride on them. And your tiny army, how can you think of challenging even the weakest contingent of my master's troops Even with the help of Egypt's chariots and charioteers, what's more? Do you think we have invaded your land without the Lord's direction? The Lord himself told us, attack this land and destroy it. Was that from God? If Caiaphas could prophesy,
0: and it was the truth. So, should we take everything everybody says? Furthermore, the rabshake continued,
1: his arrogant boasting. In Isaiah 36, 13, then the rabshake stood and called out loud in Hebrew, listen to the words of the great king, king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you, for he cannot deliver you. Don't let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord, saying, the Lord will certainly deliver us this city will not be handed over to the king of Assyria. Don't listen to Hezekiah, for this is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and surrender to me, and every one of you may eat from his own vine and his own fig tree and drink water from his own cistern until I come to take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware that Hezekiah does not mislead you by saying the Lord will deliver us, has any one of the gods of the nations delivered his land from the power of the kings of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sephavaim? They delivered Samaria from my power. Who among all the gods of these lands ever delivered his land from my power? So, will the Lord deliver Jerusalem? Now, the judgment and subsequent death of Sennacherib was to prove That what the rapture said was false. It was a mere arrogant boasting of men who are intoxicated with with their notion of their own power. And God Almighty severely punished their arrogance through the prophecy of Isaiah in Isaiah 37, verse 5. So the servants of King Hezekiah went to Isaiah, who said to them, tell your master this. The Lord says, don't be afraid because of the words you have heard. And the king of Assyria's attendants have blasphemed me with. I'm about to put his spirit in him and he will hear his rumor and return to his own land where I will call him, cause him to fall by the sword. That's it. So we must be open to hearing God send truth through any avenue, but we must be careful to judge what is being said, whether it is in consonance with the revealed will of God.
0: It is for this reason
1: that the Holy Spirit was given to each of us to be our guide and counselor that we may worship the father in spirit and in truth. Everyone must take personal responsibility for what they do in their lives. Yes, you can hear from one source or another source, but you cannot go and say, I did it because so and so said so. No, that's why they gave each one, each believer, the Holy Spirit. So the way to run our Christian lives is to hear something, be open to receive it, but then go quietly like the Berean Christians. Sit with the Lord and say to him, Lord, is this from you? Do you approve of this? Do you endorse this? That must always be the question. No man, no matter how, quote unquote, Holy or godly must be the mouthpiece for you. you because you cannot blame them for whatever happens to you since you have the Holy Spirit resident in your own heart. Yes, receive the word, but then table it before the Lord and believe that the Spirit will guide you, the Spirit will instruct you. This whole idea that there are big people that the Spirit talks to. And then there are small people that go to hear from them. That is not the intention of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is not the intention of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not at all. So it is important for for you and I to,
0: to embrace this.
1: The high priest for the year was plotting the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? But in doing that, he was fulfilling prophecy that the vicarious the death of our Lord Jesus will bring salvation to all souls that believe in him. But his prophecy was a coded message. It was a coded message to our Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples. That's why John recognized it. But Judas read it upside down. And went and betrayed his master. That is why I'm talking about individual responsibility. You know, two people, ten people, hundred people can hear the same thing. A few will get it right. What else will read it upside down and are ruined? We begin to conclude then that it is important for you and I to walk by the Spirit. Don't abdicate that responsibility to another. Because our Lord Jesus Christ had already stated everything so clearly. In John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's what those who believed that they had the opportunity to do. They abandoned their prejudices and opened their hearts to the Lord Jesus. And I pray mm. for everyone under the sound of my voice. As you open your heart to the Lord Jesus, that miracle of salvation will happen in your life. In the Amen. Amen. For God so loved the world. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's why some people think that, oh, he's going to go to hell. He's such a terrible person. Say, no, that's not why he's going to go to hell. The reason why he's going to go to hell is that he rejected God's mercy in Christ And then you will have no excuse. They didn't say, come and try and be perfect, blameless before you are saved. They said, no, come as you are. Your past will be washed away. And then a new heart will be given to you. The spirit will come and indwell you so you can live a godly life. Nobody can live a godly life without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. It is not possible. And this is the condemnation. That is why they're condemned, that the light came into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. This is an uncoded message, okay? So that anyone who rejects it does so at their own peril and they would have no excuse because it's an uncoded message. So just before we bring this to a close, Let us spend a little time on these coded and uncoded messages because they're significant in our spiritual journey that we recognize every message being sent to us. For example, here is the warning that our Lord Jesus Christ gave in Luke chapter 17, verses 1 to 2. He said to his disciples, offenses will certainly come but woe to the one they come through. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. I believe that our Lord Jesus was sending a coded message to Judas here because it was very close to the end. I presume that at this time, Judas had begun his negotiations with the Jewish leaders to betray our Lord and Master to the authorities. It is important, you see, to understand this because we will hear this kind of coded message in our lives. Others may not make anything of it. No, it doesn't strike A chord in their hearts. But the Holy Spirit in us will sensitize us to know that the message was for us and show us what it is addressing in our lives in that season. I was in a service once and a man was trying to persuade us to give a good offering. And he told us a story that uh, when you bring an offering or a present to Kabiesi in your land, that um, some of them you bring into the palace and and give to the Kabiesi as he's sitting on the throne. But someone may come in and say, Kabiesi, I have a present for you. So where is it? He said, oh, he can't enter the palace. You need to come out to see it. So the Kabiesi will rise and go out. Then the man says to us, I want you to give an offering that the KBS <laughs> of all KBACs will have to get up to come and see your offerings. <laughs> <That was. laughs> so, so you know, I was sitting there and the Holy Spirit whispered to me, that, that thing they're saying is you that talking to, ah. <laughs> he said, all that money you are saving uh, to do so and so, do so and so, I want you to put it here. And that's exactly what I did. Now, a lot of people may not even remember this story. You know, the, who were in the service that day, they may not remember this story. But because, you know, it was a coded message, and the spirit said, You need to respond to that. And I was believing God for, for some money to do something. He said, <laughs> Now, so, so the one you are saving as a seed. That was what I did. And the miracle that followed was unbelievable. Okay. So, so. Coded messages do come to us and everybody must be sensitive. Otherwise you will not grow in your faith if you miss a coded message that was to open a big door for you in your life. So this is why we must be aware that to live life in the spirit is to always ask the spirit in us to keep us awake and sensitive to both coded and uncoded messages that guide us to live the life we are called to live Avoid the pitfalls that will ensnare us. And then receive the blessings that are meant for us. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, sent an uncoded message to his disciples. You no, know, the first one was coded. Offences will come, you know. Yes, Jesus must be crucified. But must he be you? Must he be you? So it was for everyone to say, No. If Jesus, if Jesus is going to be crucified, ah, they, wouldn't, they would not get it from me. They would not get it from me. Unfortunately, Judas didn't say that. But this time he sent an encoded message to his disciples and Peter in Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Now, Peter reacted with bravado and then failed woefully in the end. That's what you and I must not do. When we receive a message, we must hold in humility, go before God and say, Lord, please tell me what to do so I will not fall into this snare and to this trap of the enemy. That's how we respond to direct, uncoded messages. Lord, I need help to escape this snare of the devil. Peter reacted with bravado. Luke twenty-two fifty-six, 56. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was, what, was one of Jesus' followers. Verse 57. Peter denied it. Woman, he said. I don't even know him. <laughs> After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No man I am not. Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he's a Galilean too. His dialect his dialect betrays him. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered that the Lord had said, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. That's why you and I need to know how to respond to open and coded messages. Always in humility, go to the spirit for interpretation, for inner strength, for grace, to escape if it is a snare, or to walk forward in faith, if it is a blessing. Very important, because you never know what is lying at the turn of a coded message or an uncoded message. Only the spirit can give you and I the correct interpretation. And that's why we have a final word in Romans chapter eight, verse 14. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. May the Holy Spirit always lead you and me to respond to every coded or uncoded message we receive in the Spirit. Amen. Lest we come under condemnation
2: and despair Amen. or miss a promised blessing. Amen. 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 Thank, Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Doctor. There's so much uh, talking point, but I'd like you to. Uh, clarify something for us on the on the last uh, coded and uncoded message you talked about which is that we must we must live life in the spirit so that we discern everything we hear by the spirit you know because a lot of people default to formula you know you said you heard something and the spirit of God said to you they're talking to you some people say hey, okay so every time now they make some call we have to uh, we have to respond to that. So I would like you to differentiate between uh, working in the spirit and formula. No, no, this cannot be formula because you see,
1: when you hear it correctly, I've, I've also um, I've also sat in congregation where people made passionate appeals and the spirit will not have me change anything. About, uh, so what I had uh, um, um, wanted to give, no, so it, it doesn't matter. But on that day that they made those passionate appeals and it didn't change my response, they may have been... God may be using that for someone else. You see, like I told you that day, some people may not have responded in any way to that story about Tabiesi, no. But but for me, it was a totally different thing. So that's why it's an individualized judgment because you see, no two lives are the same. And, And the spiritual journey is that when we follow the path which God had ordained and respond in the way he has said, Okay, we will escape snares of the devil. We will not miss the blessings on the road of our lives. We will not fall into unnecessary, I call them unnecessary suffering. Okay, I told you this story of a gentleman that uh, was on a job, secure in a job. Then he saw an advertisement and attended the interview and they offered him the job. Okay, then he went and sought counsel. And the person used human sense and said, the place where you are is an established company. The place where you are going is a new company. So if there is going to be a shaking, the one likely to first shake off is the new company. So you better stay. You better stay. This is what they call human logic, common logic. You better stay where you are. Okay, so he stayed where he was. And guess what? It is where he was that collapsed. And the, the new place that he got a job was waxing stronger and stronger. So by, by sh- trying to shift him, God was trying to protect him from that three or four years he suffered trying to get another job, you know. <laughs> but because he he listened to man rather than who was using logic, you know. Logic. Well, look at it this way: a new company is likely to go under in a, a bad economic climate. But it happened not to be so. It's the old company that went down. Hmm. So, so that's why we need we need to be sensitive to the spirit so that people don't use logic and human wisdom to, to, st- to take us away from protection and blessing that the Holy Spirit has positioned. And it's under those circumstances, there was nothing the spirit could do because he had plotted for you to escape what was coming. Sure. But then you fell into it because of uh, you didn't
2: follow the spirit. So... Thank you very much, sir, for that one. Now, going back to the response of the Pharisees and the parallel with those who have been in Christianity for a while, the insecurity, what is it a symptom of in our in our walk today? Yes, yes, it, it, it happens. When a new person comes to town and it looks like yes. he's taking all the spotlight.
1: Yes, that is that is that's a human problem. And that's what you and I must be very careful about. You see, we, we are not in competition. No, Christian, Christian work is not competition. You know, protecting my territory, protecting this and that, you know, preventing people from going here and there. No, fortunately for us, we grew up in an atmosphere where it was open. We went everywhere. We went to Square. we went to assemblies, we went to any Baptist, we went everywhere. Somebody had the knowledge of God and was disseminating it. We wanted to add whatever he knew to our own. It was that openness that allowed us to grow very quickly. I know, and you we went there, you had questions, you had uh, the people answer questions, and you grew wiser very quickly in your, in your spiritual work with God. That is very important. But when people are territorial and, and protective, then they insulate their people who believe them. You know, as if they have a monopoly of all the truth that God wants to reveal. That's not possible. No single person has a monopoly of all the truth that God wants to reveal. And that's why we read books. You know, that's why we we, we attend uh, other people's programs, so that God will give us insight, quicken us, point out things that are missing in our lives. And then we add them quickly and we grow more spiritually in our lives. So everybody must always have an open mind. Don't let people with territorial prejudices, you know, hem you in because no one person, no one person has a monopoly of truth.
2: And so it comes back to your point on walking in the spirit, walking, being led by the spirit, being oh, able yes, to discern always. advice and instruction, even from authority by the spirit. Every, you see, because because life, spiritual life
1: is individualized, okay, yes, well, many people will give you good counsel, and those counsels will resonate with your spirit, mm. okay? That's the most important thing. It will resonate with your spirit, and you sense God speaking to you through them. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And so it cannot be all the time, because What they said may be applying to somebody else in a totally different situation from where you are. And so the way not to miss it is to always be open to pray, Lord, is there something here I need to add very quickly to my life so that I don't miss it? And then something then happens. Then I'll miss an opportunity or fall into a snare or get into some misery, you know? It is amazing, you know? I've I've mentioned in Careless before that every time, you know, people um, uh, give a testimony, the Holy Spirit will tell me, whisper to me that that testimony was one step behind. You know, yes, God delivered me. Yes, God saved me. But then the Spirit will always ask, how did you get there in the first place? Because the prayer is, lead us not into... Temptation. temptation, yes. God is always on, in the business of avoiding temptation, avoiding trouble, protecting us from snare. You know, a, a, a lady said, "Oh, a man told us to come and and see him in in in, a, in a, a place." I went there, I didn't find anybody else, you know. And then she comes back and lamented that she uh, uh, she got pregnant from there. I said, "But but but, did you did you ask the spirit?" <laughs> you
2: know, is that the
1: sort of place I should be going? And you went there, you didn't see anybody else. Should I still continue to stay? You know, like one lady they, they told me, she said, she said, uh, a man said, come and visit my family. And then she, she went there to visit his family. And when she got there, it was only the man that was there. I said, ah, Where are your Where are your wife's? Where's your wife and, and, and children? He said, Oh, they, they went somewhere. The girl carried her bag and ran out of the house and he refused to come in. That is it, you know, that sensitization that something is not right here. So better, better plot your escape. And she did, you know, and she, she lived
2: to tell the story. Hallelujah. Do- Doctor, on, on, a, on a closing point, I'd like you to pray for us, you know, regarding the two sets of people who are there to witness Lazarus' resurrection. One set received eternal life Whereas one said became spies, plotting uh, in, in cahoots with the Pharisees, plotting the death of our Lord. Pray, Lord, that, uh, Pray, so that the Lord will guide us so that we'll be at the right place at the right time and discern the events correctly for our mm. own benefit.
1: Yes, and that is this is really the blessing of this study, that, um, that um, two people can hear the same thing. One went to a glorious end; the other one went to an ignominious end. And that must not be a portion. We must always hear something and then rise to, to a, a glorious end. you know. So let us pray. Father, you see every soul, every heart under the sound of my voice. You know where each one of us are in our spiritual journey. Father, please look upon us with compassion. May your Holy Spirit so sensitize us in the inner man That Lord, we will not fall into a snare that you have ordered for us to avoid. And when you quickened us, because we didn't respond, we fell into the snare. Mm. Lord, we will not miss a blessing. Because when you quickened us, we didn't respond correctly. And so we missed a blessing. We pray, oh God, that your spirit will walk. We will walk in step with your spirit. So that we will live a life that will fulfill. Your plans and purposes for us. We will never miss a blessing. We will never and fall into this Amen. And by the grace of God, daily, we will grow in this. Amen. Until your spirit perfects this work in us. Amen. Thank you for hearing us, O oh God. Thank and you, Lord, if there be any that have fallen, pray, to this type of situation. Oh Lord, please have mercy. Amen. Forgive that uh, omission or commission particularly those who read it upside down, forgive, oh God, Amen. and give each one another chance to get Amen. it right.
2: Amen.
1: Thank you for hearing us, precious Lord. Thank
2: you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
1: Oh, it is in Jesus' awesome name we have prayed.
2: Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: Amen.